Welcome in. This is the Lions 24-7 podcast. Sean Fitz, Tyler Donahue with you as always. An uh, interesting week around Happy Valley. We had uh, an inaugural event with the football program in terms of a freshman media day. We have some stories to bring you from that. Uh, just a lot of interesting conversations and uh, with, with you know 20 guys or so out there on the football field. And, and Sean, we'll have that conversation later. We got some recruiting to get to, but you know, coming off of the practice field uh, on Wednesday, you know, the 100-day mark is here. Just starting to to sort of let myself get into that mode where the season is kind of sort of coming, but I, I know that's not quite there yet. But yesterday kind of set that stage for me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, a hundred days till the season as we record today, and that seems, you know, it seems like a long time. But at the end of the day, I mean, that you got a summer to go here, and then preseason practice and everything. But looking forward to it. And the, the freshman thing was really cool. Um, we got a chance to to talk to all those guys. It kind of threw us a bone here in May, which is usually our our slowest month here at Lions twenty four seven. So we're grateful for that. We're gonna let that get us through the next couple of weeks. And and. And we're also going to talk a little bit of uh, recruiting. Big weekend for Penn State with a, a junior day and new offer that could could really, you know, show Penn State uh, fans a, a lot of what's going on in the running back world. And I, I just a lot going on right now. And I apologize for the once a week uh, episode this week that's brought to you by Strep Throat. We uh, heartily endorse it here. I uh, had a kid home all week, so that's my bad, not not Tyler's fault. So uh, any hateful tweets send my way, and uh, you can tag my kid in it, my five year old, for his strep throat. Anyway, uh, big junior day for Penn State over the weekend. A uh, bunch of kids in, a uh, bunch of offered kids in. So to, to get them in this May junior day, it's something Penn State's done the last couple of years, sort of running concurrently with the baseball season because they were kind of close for a while with the baseball program. Didn't do that this year, but still got a bunch of guys on campus. And and RJ Moten's the guy that uh, that I was talking about earlier with the running back recruiting. They brought him in, uh, tested off the charts at the Spark uh, the Spark Combine in New Jersey in April, early April. I believe it was tested as a wide receiver but he's a running back he's a receiver he's potential safety he's got schools coming after him at all three positions and and Penn State likes him as a running back which is interesting because we've talked running back several times here Chris Tyree just committed to uh to to Notre Dame just before we went on the air that's not a shock that he didn't go to Penn State but uh it's worthwhile news for for that Marshawn Lloyd probably going to visit next month but still kind of Penn State just kind of hanging around there no no, not really you know on top or anything like that so Moten getting an offer certainly uh has turned a lot of heads in, in Happy Valley. And able to, to spend a little bit of time talking with, with R.J. Moten on Sunday, you know, discussing this offer and confirming with him that it, they indeed do want him at running back. And he's not one of those kids who says, I want to play this and nothing else. He says he's open. You know, He's looking for the right fit. He's willing to play all over the football field at college. But he had a heck of a year last year, Sean. 1,300 yards on the ground, almost nine yards of carry, 20-plus um, touchdowns rushing as well. So he is an athlete, you know, top 10 athlete when you look at the 24-7 sports rankings. But this kid understands what it takes to be a running back. Clearly, Penn State likes what they see here. Um, his father, um, I know he was actually in the criminal justice uh, department in, in, in New Jersey, but uh, he is a former Philadelphia Eagle linebacker. So, you know, he played for the Florida Gators. You, you like that lineage a little bit. And then um, also, this is a kid with R.J. Moten, going to remind some people maybe of Mac Hippenhammer's situation. Uh, he's pretty adamant about playing baseball and football in college. Says he feels like he found a passion on the baseball field, considered a top prospect there uh, out in the outfield. So uh, some interesting wrinkles to that recruitment with R.J., but uh, I think he's an exciting running back prospect that maybe we didn't quite see coming earlier in the cycle. 
not going to ask how you know about his dad and the uh, uh, New Jersey police uh, connection, but uh, whatever. Uh, Moten is Moten's a guy, he kind of reminds me of Iris and Clement, who's at Florida right now. He's a guy that, you know, played a bunch of positions, wanted to be a running back, uh, could play safety. Um, so kind of all over the board um, in terms of an athlete. And he's a guy that you can add to your class if, if you're Penn State and, you know, still look at running backs. If you did happen to get back in it with Marshawn Lloyd or you brought a guy up from Florida like a Kevon Lee where you could, you know, slot him in as a running back and not necessarily take two running backs for the second class in a row. So I think that he, he provides you some versatility there. Uh, Michigan is a, is a team that was looked to be the leader coming into the week. Notre Dame offered this week, so I think they're going to be you know right in the mix as well. But Penn State feels they made a really strong impression on him, and we'll see where that goes with Moten. Uh, the Penn State commits that were on hand, Nick Dawkins, Grant Toutant, uh, you know some of those guys that were the, that were there this weekend as well. Curtis Jacobs was the the third commit that was there as well. Uh, really working hard on him this uh, the. Uh, this week on social media and that's been an interesting thing to watch is is this group uh, of, of 2020 commits has sort of committed to uh, finding a guy and sort of circling them like sharks and then just going after them on social media. We've seen Golden Achumba do the same thing. I think Nick Dawkins is probably the, the ringleader in that thing. So it's been an interesting approach. I don't know that that's been pointed to them by the staff, but they're really being proactive on that front. And it's those offensive linemen. I mean, they, they really like the personality of this group, and we've talked about them a lot, and we have a new piece up this week on, on Lines 24-7, breaking down four of the five offensive line commits. Uh, you know, And you heard the podcast with Ronnie Torres. If you missed it, uh, we got the breakdown there. But those guys are, are the ones sending a lot of these tweets. Um, they'd love to block for this guy. Uh, that's They made it clear. Um, and, and I think when you look at this group, a lot of these guys getting back to campus, it's always big. Um, was reminded you know, by getting – Back together with a guy like Jesse Lucetta uh, on the field on Wednesday, the important role that peer recruiting played in, in putting together that 2018 recruiting class. And you can say the same thing about some of those early commitments in the 2019 recruiting class. You need that engagement. You know, coaching staffs, eventually a lot of what they say can ring hollow or, or it can just become, uh, you know, time after time hearing it from the coaches. Different hearing it from another kid who's 16, 17 years old, who has a lot of college options, really understanding why he's going to Penn State or why he picked this school and why that might be the right fit for you so uh, i think they've got some of those personalities and and speaking of ringing hollow you just uh, mentioned that and i forgot content season this week we're not going to talk about pj fleck like everyone else but that's just funny coming from him uh sort of saying the same thing anyway uh late last week alan true of 24 7 sports added to penn state's visitor list in a big way confirming makari page bryce austin christian fitzpatrick guys from michigan that were coming in making the trip uh these are guys that uh, well austin was on campus earlier this spring. Page is a guy they've been trying to get on campus, a former teammate of Lance Dixon, and then Fitzpatrick just picked up an offer from Penn State this weekend. Really interesting because we, we, we had Alan on uh, about a month ago to talk about Michigan recruiting, and, and Penn State has made some waves there. They Of course, they got Dixon last year. Donovan Johnson's here. K.J. Hamler's having a uh, big impact on Penn State. So they, you know the, they're not going to get shut out there. They've got Grant Toutant in this 2020 class, and things seem to have uh, solidified with his commitment. Uh, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago as well but to get those guys back on campus is big I think Paige in particular I mean you, you look at him he's a 6'3 190 pound safety could be that big linebacker or excuse me that big safety that hybrid linebacker that you're looking for in a sort of a Bengali Kamara type mold um, so I mean to get him back on campus and and sort of 
set this uh, set this up for the summer where he's going to be setting up officials. He's going to be going places. I think that was a big deal. Get Austin back again. I mean, you're in this top five. I'm not sure Penn State's on the top of that list right now, but uh, but I do think they're on the top of the list for Christian Fitzpatrick, who picked up that offer this weekend. So it's one of those things where this this late edition of visitors, you know, you could look at those three and possibly see them all in Penn State's class at the end of the day. Yeah, I think there's something brewing with that group, and and you know. Speaking with Fitzpatrick, um, you know, within 24 hours of that uh, offer, you know, he said that it was it shook up things for him. You know, they're going to be involved until the end when he figures things out, and that may may not take that long. He says he wants to commit within the next three months. That tells you he wants to commit before his senior season. It didn't specify, you know, that that it would come in late August. It also didn't specify that it would come in two weeks. So uh, take it for what it's worth. But he says uh, another trip to Penn State probably in the works. He's, he's looking at maybe June for that one. I think if you can get him. Back back on campus maybe meet some other members of this class and um, you know this is a wide receiver class at this point that that has no commitments at Penn State and when you look at maybe how we viewed it it could be potentially uh, you know the guys who could be in that just a couple of months ago versus what it is now a lot of new names and and here's one with Fitzpatrick and based on his initial reaction and the fact that he has very close personal connections with both Lance Dixon and KJ Hamler in that receiver room who he says is a cousin I did not realize that until our conversation KJ Hamler a cousin of is a lot going on that I think could lead to Happy Valley. Yeah, and I think this is a, one of those situations where I think he wants to camp for Michigan is the in-state school and, and one that he thinks fairly high of. And, and if Michigan does offer, that could change some things. But if not, Penn State looking really good to him. That's where that dead period break really comes into play is if he, if he goes somewhere in June and wants to, uh, you know, wants to set it up where he can uh, potentially announce during that dead period, I think that, that, that uh, bodes well for Penn State. Moving on, uh, Sean Martin from West Virginia, from Bluefield, West Virginia, which is just about as far away as you could possibly get from from Penn State, right near the uh, the Tennessee, Virginia, North Carolina line down there on seventy seven. That's a heck of a trip uh, for him to get up here for the first time. I think that's a that's a big deal for him. About six five and a half, two fifty, two fifty five, and this is a kid that uh, when you're looking at Penn State's potential defensive ends in this class, Aaron Lewis off the board to West Virginia, Fadil Diggs off the board to Texas A and M. You're not sure what you're going to get from Florida. Sean Martin suddenly comes onto the board as a really really legit legitimate uh, realistic option so I think Penn State made a big push with him this weekend called him his dream school which obviously is you know it's, it's one of those things but uh, you know I think uh, Penn State's got a shot and they get him back on campus this summer he wants to decide later this summer I think they got a good shot there I got a, a dream school comment too just today of conversing with the kid in South Florida we'll be writing up on that so you know you, you hear the dream school and you certainly perk up but we hear it a lot uh, so it's always tough to dissect that a little bit as you well, well know well, Sean Martin said about 40 words in the interview that I did with him in about three or four minutes. So two of those words being dream school, if you're going by percentages, I think that's a pretty good sign. Sure, sure. And and uh, I think, you know, wow, Bluefield, him and Isaiah Johnson, all of a sudden, you know, in direct uh, attention for Penn State. Now, I well, think that, that, that's funny. You mentioned Isaiah Johnson. Is yeah. He came up to camp twice last year. And he, and looked you know, he looked good. He looked real good. He looked really good. Yeah. He's a, I think he's right in that five-star range in 2021, you know, the early rankings or whatever. Top-ranked cornerback by 247 sports i think initially right now there there you go i mean he was uh he's a guy that they they like a lot to get him back on campus would be big we'll see if he get him him up there this summer and you know i'm not sure that they're 
ultimately close or anything like that. But, you know, you go to the same high school, you've been together for a long time. I mean, that's that, you know, they can't hurt. So to get Martin on board would be a big deal uh, to get Johnson on on campus again this this summer, because like I said, he came to camp twice last year and that does not happen anymore. I mean, that's that's one of those things where, you know, Penn State really liked him at camp. They weren't really sure how his I guess his film would translate from from West Virginia ball. But, you know, he showed the athleticism. He showed a lot of, uh, of good things and they just sat, decided to roll with it for the whiteout camp and he looked really good and you know that's he hasn't been back since so you'd really like to get him back on campus this, this summer yeah and, and another addition that's certainly interesting uh i'm sorry another visitor that was interesting joe royer you know tight ends another spot where you know theo johnson's been a name at the forefront for a while the kid out of canada and you've talked about him on the show quite a bit uh and, and royer is now another name to know on the board and, and coming out of cincinnati where, where you've seen penn state get some success aeneas hawkins uh sean clifford coming out of that area he's another name to know and and again with their tight end situation and and what they've brought there the last couple classes interesting sell for that group but i think tyler bowen is on a roll right now um and i think it's a room that that some tight end is going to be one want to be a part of i just wonder how vacant that will be at that position in this class yeah, a bunch of big fish left on the board there with uh, with not only Theo Johnson, but also like Eric Gilbert, Darnell Washington, five stars from from out of the region. And those guys are, you know, those guys are pipe dreams. That's not, let's not call it anything other than it is. I mean, Georgia's recruiting the lights out. They're probably going to get Eric Gilbert unless Tennessee swoops in and does what they do. Uh, Darnell, Darnell Washington's all over the country. And, you know, they want to get both of these guys back out for the whiteout in the fall. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. That's a long time from now. Uh, besides Theo Johnson, you got Cole Taylor from Colorado who's going to take an official visit this summer. And Royer, I mean, Royer is one of those spring spring risers that we talk about that just kind of has gotten noticed over the last couple of months. And you see that his size is legit. You go watch him work out. He's impressed. So uh, I, I still feel good about Penn State landing a, a really good tight end. You thought it was going to be Theo Johnson for a while. Still, still like where Penn State is with Theo Johnson, but he's kind of gone quiet in the last couple of months. So we haven't really talked about him or I guess it'd be the last month or so and we haven't really talked about him so um, you know Joe Royer is suddenly an, uh, an intriguing possibility we'll see what Ohio State decides to do with tight ends because they're they're, they're gonna be tough to beat for a kid from that area but uh, yeah other than that uh, it's it's gonna be an interesting finish for that position I still feel confident it's like it's like running back I feel confident they're gonna get somebody I just don't know who it is right now uh, even though Theo Johnson looks like the guy you want to go to oh, sure. uh, well South Jersey popped up so I, I saw a South Jersey reference on this list as we stare at each other uh aimlessly there for a moment uh Jalen Cheek uh you know getting a chance to take his first long look in Happy Valley and a 2021 quarterback a guy a guy let me make sure I said that clearly cornerback in the defensive backfield felt like I said quarterback there great podcast session right here um Atco New Jersey Winslow uh and the same school as Bill Belton so there's some familiarity there for maybe for some Penn State fans but you know South Jersey is an area we've said uh, kind of have the reset button there with, with with what goes on with the staff see how Penn State can can, can get it going in that 2021 cycle because I think uh, it's becoming more clear in the 2020 cycle uh, there have been some challenges there you know uh I'm sorry, Rakes, Isaiah Rakes, the defensive tackle, is still in that area. But um, this is an early name to know from that region. And again, it's a region where Penn State's cleaned up pretty well when they're recruiting at a high level. 
Jalen Cheek was one of those guys at the whiteout camp last year who who impresses the 2021 along with Isaiah Johnson. He just kept making plays, and Penn State take uh, kept a, a look at him. Uh, he's got legit size, six foot and a half inch, six foot one, close to there. So um, he can play corner. He can play a little, possibly play a little safety. He played some wide receiver early in his career. So he's a guy that uh, you look to, and, and and I guess if you're recruiting off a of logic, this is one of those kids that Penn State should be you know in really well on. So I I, I would keep a close eye on Jalen Cheek. Probably not any time soon for a commitment but you know Penn State's going to be in it for the long run the long uh, haul with him across the river Taishim Johnson at Imatep is one of those uh, uh, one of those Philly kids that in this really good class of 2021 in Pennsylvania that Penn State was able to get back on campus um, and then uh, Elliot Donald five-star I mean we just glossed over the five-star that was on campus uh, of course Aaron Donald's nephew from Pittsburgh popped up on campus this weekend it was kind of a surprise uh, you know really hadn't uh, Hadn't heard that one was coming, but uh, to get Elliot Donald on campus once again is, is is a big deal because this is a guy that you're gonna you know it's gonna be one of the top defensive linemen in the country. He's already got an offer list that looks like that, so to get him back on campus is is obviously a good thing for Penn State. Yeah, and Donald is going to be the object of obsessive recruiting efforts by the by Pittsburgh. Let's face it, because of that built-in connection with the family and uh, being a relative so closely of, of you know historically one of the great players from that program and we've seen him on campus and he's posted pictures and 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 i tell you what they're gonna keep rolling out the red carpet for him but getting him back here at penn state was big and uh you know notre dame ohio state you name it he's probably got the offer at this point um you know and i think sean's gonna be really interesting with his recruitment um is to keep getting him back and back and get that feel because i have a feeling he's he's gonna be at pittsburgh so often uh he's gonna know all about it and he's gonna go to every other school in the country once or twice if Penn State can keep luring him to make that you know two and a half hour drive or so uh, on a somewhat consistent basis I think they're going to be in this for the long haul but again a kid this young this good you know, there's going to be a lot of options on the table a lot of options a lot of pressure to stay home no doubt about it I think Aaron Donald's now Penn, or Pitt's largest uh, donor or something like that for their football program he, he made a nice little gift to the Panthers and they're grateful for that as well spring evaluation period is wrapping up Penn State coaches are coming off the road as we speak, uh, a, a new offer this week that, that caught our attention, Bryce uh, Bryce Langston, 2021 defensive lineman. He's a top 20 prospect by 24-7 sports in the 2021 um, in, in the 2021 rankings. He told 24-7 sports, and he told you that he, he hopes to visit, but he hopes to be on campus in June. He's a teammate of Leonard Manuel, the Florida commit that's going to take an official visit June 22nd weekend. So Penn State would like to get him up before the dead period. Yeah, a couple interesting things there. The fact that he has a teammate who is locked into making that visit, as you said. Uh, and then the additional deal is T.J. Jones has been in communication with him, and T.J. Jones will, will be enrolling at Penn State soon as, as a wide receiver out of Florida. Uh, he has been kind of already getting some early selling points in about Penn State. Uh, and, and this is a guy, top 10 in that class right now, considered one of the premier defensive linemen uh, you know, in the country. And 247 certainly values him a, a great deal. Uh, it's just interesting to hear that, you know, the TJ Jones had already laid some some you know seeds. This is something that uh, I think the offer came in last night. So I'm always interested when we talk about the Florida Penn State connection because I, I think the more you, you, you just build the network, you, guys might not go to Penn State, but maybe you know someone who had an offer. I just think it's going to get more familiar for some of these kids. And and uh, Trevante Rucker is a, a four star teammate of those number forty in the country in the 2021 class uh, at Vanguard as well. You know he's a guy that uh, John Dunmore has been reaching out to you can see that tj jones has been reaching out to those guys so doing a little peer recruiting never hurts especially when you're coming from a, a climate like that where you say hey 
it's it's not all cold up here. Come with me. I, I'm doing the same thing. So that that helps with them. Uh, Carnell Davis is a, a South Jersey guy now in Florida. He picked up an offer from Penn State this week. Is just one of those interesting connections where you know he's got that 609 area code. So you know Penn State, I think maybe an offer that uh, that rings a little bit more in the ear of him. Uh, than just being a regular Florida prospect. So uh, Carnell Davis, wide receiver um, in Florida, of, of course, moved down from South Jersey last year. Um, now uh, back to the 2021 class in, Pen- in Pennsylvania. Sean, oh, I did have an I did have an opportunity before we we got on the on the phone on this call today. Um, Carnell Davis actually did catch up with me, and, and just something there is he is going to be on campus pretty soon. Um, this June he's looking at to be on campus. He's going on a big tour. Um, and him and his teammate, who has a fantastic name, Dink Jackson, uh, linebacker, uh, same program. And, and they may get both of those guys on campus together. So I thought that was interesting. And, and I did not know about the New Jersey connection. Of course, he responded. And and, and I was like, oh, yep, South Jersey. And, and so that was, that was pretty interesting. But, yeah, two offers going out in that high school in one day. And all of a sudden, both those guys may be on campus here in the next month or so. So as I said, that Penn State-Florida connection, you know, I'm not surprised anymore. I was just uh, I was trying to move on from that segment because I can't pronounce the school that he went to in Jersey and probably can't pronounce the one that he goes to in Florida. So uh, we'll go with that. But uh, Just go with Dink. Dink. Dink is easy to pronounce. I felt safe with that. <laughs> uh, back to the Pennsylvania class, uh, Penn State offered Shafiq Smith from Imhotep as the second Imhotep defensive uh, back, excuse me, defensive back. Uh, to pick up an offer from the Nittany Lions in the 2021 class. There's three D1 kids uh, in that defensive backfield right now uh, in the 2021 class is a really good one. Now 10 kids have picked up an offer in the state in 2021 after just offering five currently in the uh, 2020 class. What's interesting about the 2021 class, and I've talked to to, to Brian Doan about this, is that they've got legitimate talent here where you're talking about 10 or 12 guys that are that could be you know ranked number three in the state you've of course got julian fleming and and michael carmody at the top of the the list but you've got 10 or 12 guys in the 2021 class that could make a case for being the third best prospect in 2020 whereas dayon hayes who we think is a pretty good prospect a defensive lineman from pittsburgh is ranked number three in the state he's got about an 86 composite rating right now so just uh just to kind of put that in perspective for where penn state's or excuse me pennsylvania's 2021 class is i know we've been talking Talking about it a lot, but you're talking about going from five offers to potentially 15 offers, and and, and that's going to make a difference anytime you're making uh, going into a cycle with that much talent in your backyard. Yeah, it's no longer hype; it's now tangible. Ten offers out at this point is that's a that's a hefty that's a hefty dose of offers on in state uh, because Penn State the last couple of years I think what was it seven eight total offers in, in two combined cycles and um, you know it, that's the way it works. Not every state is going to be Florida, Texas, California, Georgia, and, and that little handful of of, of the country where you could just know there's going to be you know 25 30 deep at least of, of power five prospects that you want to go going to invest in um you know 2021 it's set up there you know penn state you can go out there take a step forward uh from from a nine and four season you know get that momentum going it, it this is the perfect time to do it and i know a lot of people were really excited about what was in the region not necessarily just pennsylvania but the region in 2020 and some of those guys heading elsewhere and some of those recruitments not materializing um but things could match up if you can match again a successful season a step forward season with this recruiting class Penn State could be in really good shape 
Yeah, and we said that last cycle too, but still, exactly, I mean, yeah. if you just look from a number standpoint, I mean, every year you're probably going to have Florida with the most offers. Uh, Texas will be up there, Georgia, California, Ohio, you know, these these states that we see every year in the draft producing, you know, a, a ton of talent. But if you look at the 2021 class right now, they've got 28 offers out in Florida. They've got 12 out in Virginia, 10 out in Maryland, 10 out in uh, Pennsylvania, eight out in Ohio. So, you know, you're just coming back around from a numbers game. You've got a better opportunity in 2021 to uh to sort of set the table and, and go from there so it's going to take a good year from penn state to, to to get back some of that momentum right now we've, we've talked about it they're dragging a little bit on the recruiting trail and and you can see that and you know that's probably another good example julian fleming announcing next week we still expect him to go to ohio state so i mean it's one of those situations where penn state's got to uh, regain some of that momentum get back in there in new jersey which we talked about you know just uh they're really down in new jersey right now and that, that that's something that can come back around when you put a guy like Jared Parker out there or or sort of uh, reassess which guys could make an impact from you but uh, really and there's really no other way to say it but David Corley and Phil Galliano just kind of tanked him in Jersey it was tough tough to 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 go into that 2020 cycle to be where they're at right now it's it's really sort of mind-blowing we're going to get into Tyler's wheelhouse when we get back got a little uh, ad break here but uh, we're going to get back into Tyler's wheelhouse talk about the freshman class which we saw on campus for the freshman media day and we'll be right back Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Well, as we mentioned at the top of the show, on Wednesday afternoon, um, Sean, myself, Mark Brennan, a bunch of members of the Penn State Beat had a chance to to reintroduce themselves to this 2018 recruiting class. And, you know, the way this works, uh, you know, a lot of college programs across the country, once you get to campus, uh, you're not going to have an opportunity for a while to, to, you know, get in front of a microphone, have that conversation. So uh, it was cool. Obviously, Sean and I are very engaged on the recruiting trail. He spent a lot of time talking to several these players when they were making their decision and and for a lot of them it didn't always look like Penn State was going to be the destination and so now all of them are at least a year into this process in college some enrolled way back in January 2018 so essentially a year and a half for some of these guys and and Sean uh, pretty impressed by the interview skills and obviously by what Dwight Galt and company are doing in that way their training has paid off uh, in both aspects yeah I mean it was cool to see those guys they kind of threw us a bone here we we kind of sat down with uh, with the Penn State people earlier this spring and said they said what what else can we do to you know sort of help this help you guys out and they, they set up this freshman junior day which I think has benefited everybody and like I said it's going to benefit us for probably about the next two weeks but uh, a really cool thing to, to see these guys I mean and you see them you know we're in town so it's kind of different for us so we see these guys you know in the offseason lifts and we see them in spring practice and things like that but to see the how, how much these guys have grown not only from uh, you know just uh, their arrival off the field just to, to, to mature, but physically, I mean, that's been the, the big thing. And 
Um, for one of those guys that's really set up uh, and, and sort of blew everybody away from both aspects is Micah Parsons. And we've talked a ton about Micah Parsons, mostly before you got here, um, about you know not sure what to expect with him coming in. There was, a, of course, a kind of a stigma attached to his recruitment, and that kind of came through. But at the end of the day, led Penn State in tackles. He's done really nothing, uh, nothing on campus that would that would warrant that uh, that that uh, reputation that he came in with. Uh, so I mean, it's a, it was pretty cool to see him out and about, and he's he's certainly certainly one of the most outward members of this class of 2018. Yeah, obviously, I spent a lot of time covering Micah's recruitment too, I and mean, you you were covering him all the way from his freshman year in high school when he got that offer uh, ten years Franklin ago, just, or whatever you know, it was. Yeah. yeah, when Franklin's first year, which I know feels like forever ago, and 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 you know, for him to be in this situation, um, you know, it takes me back when we were at his All American jersey presentation his senior year at Harrisburg. At that point, felt like far from a sure thing. I think that was the a few days after his first visit back to Penn State. He was at Beaver Stadium for a game, and it was like a breaking of the ice between him and the fans. Because, you know, let's face it, he got a lot of heat on social media when he decommitted. For a while, Ohio State looked like they were going to end up with him. And this was all within like two weeks of... You know, everything that went on in his official visit to Ohio State. So to you know, flash forward uh, almost two years later, and when where Micah is, you know, essentially you know the 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 mouth of this program in a very positive way. I shouldn't say the program, this class. You know, all those guys out there, they can speak for themselves. A lot of confidence out there, but I think Micah is very comfortable at at protecting his guys, standing up for his guys, and you know, outwardly setting the pace for this group because he wants to push them and. It's everything that you can ask for from a kid who was as highly acclaimed coming out of high school as Micah Parsons was. He was much more outward yesterday than he was at that jersey ceremony. He did not want to see us there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is uh, this, this class as a whole, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit because you did a piece on this. This class as a whole is different, and we've been saying that since they got here. This is a bigger class, a stronger class, a faster class, and you've seen some of the impact of a class like this coming in via the transfer portal of this offseason. I mean, this is one of those things where you've seen upperclassmen that are now on the road have found new new homes, new schools. Um, and I think a, a big part of that is because the talent that came in behind them is, frankly, you know, pretty good. So uh, we'll, we'll see in the long run how that comes in. But this is Penn State's most talented class that James Franklin's brought in. A uh, really, really good group, and they've, they've got a ton of potential. And, and I know our audience has heard a lot about this group from us for a while now, so why don't we do something different? Let them tell us about themselves, because we did get a chance to, to put some recorders in front of their faces for the first time in a long time. Um, and, and why not start with, with the guy who did draw the most recorders and cameras on Wednesday, Micah Parsons, and um, right off the bat in a, in a great lengthy discussion with Mark Brennan, who managed to get him in a one-on-one -on -one discussion. That's up on the site right now. We're not going to play all 10 minutes of that, but I would highly suggest definitely uh, check to, it out. Yeah. to check that out. I mean, you'll get a really good sense of who Micah Parsons is, and, and that's kind of consistently how he's been when he's interacted with the media uh, you know, a, a couple of times here at Penn State. But the top of that, he was asked about you know, linebacker you and, and what that room is like now and how he views the future of that. And I know a lot of Penn State fans, you know, the LBU is held in high esteem. Uh, let's just say Micah Parsons is, is hell bent on making sure it stays that way. I'm just trying to get these young guys right, Lance, Brandon, you know, because I was just like lost going into this, and I want to make sure like the whole vibe of the program changes from that, you know. I told them, I'm, I want to nothing but the best for all the linebackers in the room, so anything I could possibly do, I will help you, you know, because at the end of the day, it's not just me here. Like, I'm not LBU, Jesse's not LBU, uh, everyone's not LBU. We're LBU because it's a great group of people in the unit 
that makes LBU. So that's the only thing that I'm trying to prove that LBU is going to be a great group of people and players that are going to be uh, here from from Lavar, Navarro, uh, um, from all of them on. You know, to me, to Jesse, to Charlie Casher. It doesn't matter. Cam Brown, Jan Johnson. Like we're going to be a great group of people. Now, Micah Parsons was easily among the most impressive athletes coming out of high school, but this was a class loaded with a bunch of freaks uh, and, and high on that list uh, all the way through Justin Shorter at receiver, uh, Jason Oway. It's pretty remarkable, Sean. We weren't the only ones to comment on this, but those two stood next to each other. I took a photo of them being a couple Jersey guys out there and they looked like, you know, if, if you took the jersey off and, and, and had a fan come in who didn't recognize their face and say, what position do these guys play? I don't think you'd say this one's a wide receiver, this one's a defensive end. It, really impressive. Two big dudes, and it's a, it's indicative of the rest of the class. This class just looks different, and Shorter is, what, 230 right now, and, and, and Jason is about 255, and, and Jason carries it unbelievably well I mean he's just uh he, he's naturally a freak I like I said like I said I think I said this since last summer that he's going to pop up on Bruce Feldman's list just a matter of time and he'll be on there this summer I'm sure but yeah I mean beyond that I mean you, you take a look across the board and this this class just kind of looks different uh, Chris, uh excuse me Christian Koontz uh Zach Koontz uh is a guy that continues to grow he's, he's in the 240s right now he arrived on campus about 225 so putting weight on he's eating a ton he's just trying to get there but you know I think he's a little bit more defined this year, and, and they don't need him right away. You've got Nick Bowers and Pat Fryermuth, who, who, of course, we kind of forget as a freshman uh, at, at the, out there at tight end. But uh, Koontz has made some strides, so uh, curious to see where, where he comes and fits into the picture uh, come August. Uh, Rashid Walker and Bryce Efner are two that really stuck out to me. Walker looks like a starting offensive tackle. Efner's not there yet, but from where he was as a recruit, I mean, a 255-pounder or something like that uh, when he, when he I guess, a little bit before he arrived, um, they both look like Big Ten offensive linemen. That's a good step in the right direction. Yeah, and, and you saw it. I was standing with, with some of those linemen, including those two, and it's a big group. Uh, it, it is There's a lot of size out there, and those two guys included. And going back to Koontz, I mean, I think because of, of some of the physical maturity and development of some of the other guys, you know, he's, he's going to look skinny out there. But I think if you kind of take him out of that element and, and you would see an athletically imposing kid and, and he's working on it. He understands that the deal with him is he can't be the skinny tight end. And, and, and that's been something he's focused on and, and he eats and eats and eats. He says he probably has three dinners a day. Um, you know, and, and he says, uh, someday it'll catch up with me right now. I got to do it. I thought it was interesting. He said he starts just about every day with, with like an eight egg scramble. Um, so, you know, he's trying. Everybody's out there. And I know they're saying, why isn't Coots putting on more weight? Uh, and I've, I've heard people say, why isn't he bigger yet? He's trying. He's getting bigger. And it's just some guys are at a different trajectory in that growth. And I think, you know, anyone who paid attention to their respective recruitments understood that even though Zach Koontz was actually rated more highly in the 247 Sports Composite rankings uh, than Pat Fryermuth was, there was no doubt about it who was going to be more college ready because of the age deal, because of just the physical difference. Uh, but I think Zach Koontz, he sounds like he's on the right track. He sounds like he thinks he will be a part of this offense attack and he also had really good things to say about Brenton Strange who's in that tight end room so I think beyond Pat Fryermuth and Nick Bowers you got those developing guys and as I said already on this show in regards to recruiting 
Tyler Bowen has a pretty special room coming together there at tight end. Like, I like Brenton Strange, and that's another topic for another day. But uh, beyond that, Daniel George, um, another one of those guys that just kind of looks like he's a different breed out there. Uh, we saw Cam Sullivan Brown on the other side, and, and Cam, Cam's a really good athlete. You know, looks looks really good. Daniel George looks like he's probably about 15 pounds heavier than him as in a year behind him. So seeing Daniel George out there is one thing. Ricky Slade, and this is another, um, this is, I mean, Ricky doesn't look a ton different than when he, you know, Ricky's never going to look very different, but he, you know, his arms are a little bit bigger. He's added some bulk. He's about 205 pounds right now. We talked to him about that and what that 205 pounds means to a guy like that. Uh, I think during the spring, it was kind of a struggle just because, you know, I put on all that weight and then going into winter workouts, I had to run with that weight. So it was kind of a struggle, but um, going into spring ball and then coming into summer workouts, you know, I feel, I feel really good. I feel good carrying my weight. Um, Still going to be running, trying to get my endurance up and stamina up. But I feel I feel comfortable. Five pounds for me. I think it could be a difference between breaking a tackle and not breaking a tackle. So I think five pounds for me is, is really a big difference. Five pounds to Ricky Slade, obviously a little different than five pounds to you and I. So it would be interesting to see him out there. He also said that they're probably going to go with a, a three-way backfield this year. He seems uh, on board with that. With Journey Brown, Noah Kane, of course, Devin Ford's going to get there um, this summer. So that'll be that'll be. Uh, Certainly something interesting to watch. Yeah, and, and it takes me back to a story that I heard from Ricky's mom, Heather, when I visited him down in Virginia last spring. She said when he first became the varsity starter, which was from game one of his high school career, he was 155 pounds, and she had a lot of trouble keep you know watching him. She, she would put her head down a lot, concerned about his health. He had seven touchdowns in his second varsity game at 155 pounds. Uh, so I still think she deals with some issues and watching her son play football, but uh, 50 pounds heavier five years later, and, and he is a kid who looks like he's ready to handle uh, a significant load out of that backfield. Uh, staying in the offensive backfield, uh, another name that has really surfaced uh, as an important part of this Penn State team, more important than a lot of people expected here in 2019 at least, Will Levis, uh, the quarterback in this class, and uh, he drew a lot of attention yesterday as well. And Sean, you had a chance to catch up with him. Speaking of guys that, that look like they belong and look like they can step on the field and play, Will Levis is, is huge. I mean, he's 6'4", or 6'3", 6'4", uh, 240 pounds or so, and he fills fills out that jersey quite nicely. Um, it, it was interesting to sit down with Levis as the first time since, uh, of course, he, he got on campus, and now he's all of a sudden the number two quarterback, Tommy Stevens, of course, I think since our last episode heading to Mississippi State, but if you're listening, you already knew that. Um, but uh, Levis is a guy that uh, you know brings something a little bit different. Uh, I, we asked him the difference in, in, in Trace McSorley and Sean Clifford, what he can bring to the table. He also left it open that he kind of was interested in playing some Lions. So we'll see what happens with that. Still feels the uh, the competition is open between he and Clifford and, and, and talked about what he can bring to the table. Offense wouldn't adjust at all. I think just that um, Coach Ronnie kind of made it clear that it doesn't matter who's at the quarterback. We recruited you because we know that you can run this offense and we're not going to kind of flip everything around to um, kind of mold to you. But uh, Sean and I ran the offense this this spring just as Trace did last year. There weren't any adjustments made based on our skill sets. But um, personally, I mean, I think obviously I'm a little bigger than Trace was. So I can be a little more physical runner, kind of. I can be a little more physical as if Tommy was. And um, that's one skill set I bring. And then I think uh, my arm's a little stronger than Trace too. But um, just that's just it's, uh, something that I can kind of add to the offense, I guess, but um, just as long as I make the throws and uh, make the right throws, that's all that matters. But uh, yeah, no, nothing would really have to change with the offense for me to fit in with it. 
Levis obviously ready to roll. Uh, I still think that's Sean Clifford's job, and I think Clifford has stepped up. There's a couple stories about him after Tommy left, uh, stepping stepping up and getting into that leadership role, saying, "Hey, this is kind of my team now." And even though that might not be true, it was it was good to see him step up and go from there. So uh, Levis and Clifford, we'll, we'll look forward to documenting that in the fall. Again, I don't know that they're going to name Clifford the starter because you want to keep that open. You want to keep Levis's uh, spirits up, and you want to keep the other guys in the quarterback room going, but. But uh, yeah, I, I still think this is uh, Sean Clifford's team. It sounds like From, it. I mean, this was our first real chance to, to get into the mindset of this locker room a little bit, just since that that transfer announcement and everything. It sure does sound like Sean Clifford has stepped up, said some things in front of this group, kind of you know put his chest on the line a little bit, and they're responding in a positive way. So I think that says a lot about where things stand. And I, I don't think leadership's ever been a thing for Cliff. You know, it's never been a problem for Clifford. It's just a, going from number three to number one in just in no time at all. It, that That's going to be something that, that we have to see how and he can And replacing Trace McSorley, who yeah, led the team well, very well yeah. for three years. And, I, you know, that's obviously a part of this, I think, as well. There's that. Some good news coming out of the freshman media day. We got to talk to Juice Scruggs, which is just fantastic to see him out there after a car accident. Cost him the spring. Um, He broke a vertebrae. Uh, It's just one of those unfortunate situations that comes up from time to time but he seems like he's uh, you know optimistic about returning possibly sooner rather than later. Um, Basically just accident happened. I broke my L3 and I am trying to recover now. It's just, it's just something I had no control over, and it's just I didn't really. I tried not to be too down, and my family, and family up here, of course, did a good job of just uh, keeping me up, making sure I was okay. But it's just something that was out of my control, and hopefully, uh, I could be back out there soon. Uh, right now, there's no timetable on it. Just trying to, uh, not trying to rush it, but just trying to be back out there as soon as possible. Good to hear from Juice. Uh, it's definitely one of those things, like I said, it's unfortunate, but he was hoping to compete for a starting job in the spring. Of course, uh, can play guard, can play center, would have been right in there with Thorpe and Miranda. Penn State really high on him after his freshman year. I guess Penn State really high on on all those three freshmen, off, I guess true freshman offensive linemen who did preserve the red shirt. Um, so we'll see where Scruggs, you know, I wouldn't rush him back, and I don't think they're in a position where they're going to rush him back, but just to, the, the fact that he thinks or he believes and, and people around him believe is going to be back, I think, is, is great news. Yeah, that's a scary situation. You're talking about you know, where that injury occurred. Um, you know, you just hear about it on the football field, off the field, and, and ending players' careers immediately. So, uh, you know, glad to see him out there. And, and uh, you know, hats off to him for being out there. I don't think, you know, he necessarily, no one would have held it against him if he wasn't available yesterday, considering what he's working through and the recovery he's underway with. And the the offensive linemen yesterday, we, we talked about their, their big guys. They're also were great to talk to. And uh, Rasheed Walker, Bryce Efner were out there and, 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 you know, going back and forth, a lot of interesting conversations. And one topic I kept bringing up with everybody um, that I ran into uh, across the board was what is the defining trait of this 2018 Penn State freshman class now that they've been on campus for a year together uh, because you and I heard it from them all the way through while they were building this class they were coming to win national championships they wanted to be the best recruiting class in the country Um, you know they were targeting the best players in the country and they got a lot of them Um, so they never lacked for confidence and we'll get into that for a second but um, I got to give it to Bryce Effner here I I was kind of saying what clips should we run 
Everybody gave a great answer. We have a full rundown of 10 different players and, and what they think uh, define this class. That's on lines 24-7. Uh, but I thought some of the things that Bryce Effner said stood out. Here are those. Yeah, I mean, I would say with what the our class, what was it, like 23 guys? Like, you'd think like one or two of them you would just, you know, not rub with the right way. But I can't, I can't think of anybody on this team that I wouldn't fight for. Um, we're all brothers. We all, you know come to the field we all work our hardest I mean no one comes out here and says you know like hey man I, I'm taking this speed off like I can't handle this because we all push each other work that hard I think that's just that's our competitive edge is we're just going to keep pushing each other until we get that uh, championship and you can hear the passion in his voice and but again I think these guys aren't just saying this stuff because it makes them feel better there is a lot of conviction behind these kind of words, and I heard it across the board looking these guys in the eyes. Down the line, uh, I, I think they have the same mindset they had as recruits, Sean, but they now have the fortification of that they've weathered the storm, they've taken steps back to take two steps forward, they've you know dealt with some <laughs> berating by the coaching staff because it happens to all freshmen uh, and some low points, but I think they come through stronger, and, and it's a class that seems – very sturdy, and that really seems to like each other. I think that's also an important factor. And I think it's a playoff-level class, no doubt about it. You just got to have to stack a couple of those classes back-to-back-to-back to back to back and, and see what happens because no one class is ever going to win you a national championship. I mean, it can get you get you closer, but uh, but this this class is as close as it's going to get. But, yeah, I mean, this is a, a different class. We've said it before, and, and, and really just watching them grow. Uh, and you talk to a couple of guys, and it's not just the Shorters or uh, the Slades or, or Micah Parsons, but talking to guys like Trent Gordon and talking to guys like Nick Tarburton who you know really went through a little bit more adversity than the, the those other guys so um, to, to, to see those guys respond and, and know that they have a role and know that they can make an impact. I was talking to Judge Culpepper a little bit, and you talk about the defensive tackle room, and that there's a lot of defensive tackles out there, but they're all young. They're fairly inexperienced after those first three of, of Windsor, Shelton, uh, and Mustafer. Uh, so, I mean, you've got opportunities for guys like that that can step in as redshirt freshmen and make an impact. And we'll see where that happens, not only on, on offense, defense, but also on special teams. I talked to J- Jake Pinniger. He mentioned some changes that they've done with special teams where, you know, Joe Lorig brings a little bit of different mindset, a little more detail oriented. He seemed excited to play for him. So just changes all around. Um, and, and you sort of build around this, pro- this, uh, this class and through this program because it's just a, on another level talent wise. Yeah, and another item there, I mean, we talked about Scruggs, and and this class is no stranger to adversity. You know, before their first game as a group, they lost two members of that class because of heart conditions, and and rare heart conditions, twice in the same class, and uh, with Jordan Miner at cornerback, and and then offensive tackle Nana Asedu, two blue-chip talents that were big parts of this class. Um, and though they're still involved, you know, got, both those guys are, 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 are with the team and, 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 you know, they're friends, they live together, they spend a lot of time together, but they can't play football. You know, I think that did something. I think that accelerates the maturity process too. You know, and, and they said they were spooked, you know, they were just wondering, you know, what's, is there a curse going on with our class? Because, uh, it was, you know, that's devastating to lose people that you think you're going to really become lifelong friends with. You're going to need to count on. Um, and now you talk about this, the Scruggs accident. Uh, it's a class that's gone through a lot in a hurry. And I think when you're that age, 18, 19, 20 years old, 
those experiences going through them with, with people that you care about, you come out the other side and uh, just, again, I think a little bit more secure with those relationships. And this class is kind of all over the board in terms of, uh, of talent levels. I mean, there's guys that, you know, guys like Aeneas Hawkins and Charlie Catcher that probably aren't going to see the field this year. But, you know, if they stick around for a while, can, can certainly have an impact. And then you've got the, the uh, immediate impact guys like Parsons and, and Slade and those guys. So sort of all over the board, but it, it, it's a fun class to follow. I mean, we probably talk about them too much. We've talked about them more than any other class than, you know, that's been through in the, in the last couple of years, but there's a reason for that. And I think it's just a, a phenomenally ta- talented group. So um, speaking of losing guys, I thought we were going to lose you yesterday. You were surrounded there by uh, what PJ Mustafer Hawkins and, and Rasheed Walker, Bryce. Evans. There's a great picture on the site where you're just in the middle of it and they're just looking at you like, what the hell is this guy talking about? I'm sure that was all good though. This is definitely a group that you want to be on the same side as uh, if a fight breaks out. And and it also is a group that I think features some really important players for Penn State with, with P.J. Mustafer uh, certainly going to battle it out with, with Antonio Shelton to, to start next uh, to Robert Windsor at defensive tackle. I think regardless of who's the starter, you're going to see a lot of him. Uh, Rashid Walker looks like he's locked in as, as the left tackle. It's a huge, huge position. Then you look at Aeneas Hawkins and Bryce Efter and, and their potential importance on the interior of the offensive and defensive line. Uh, great conversation across the board with them. But when I brought up Jason Oway, especially to those offensive linemen, uh, and really everybody, you know, Jason Oway captures everybody's imagination in the media, in the fan base. He does the same thing in the locker room. That was my biggest takeaway. And I'll let you just listen in on this because just really funny the way these guys reacted. His get off is ridiculous. Like when I'm, when I'm, when we're going, when we're in team or inside run or doing one-on-ones, like I know I have to set quicker because his get off is so ridiculously fast. So that's gonna he's gonna be a problem this season just because of that off the strength of that itself. And if it, and I'll say this, if like a three hundred pound man can't chase down that running back, I know I got Jason away behind yeah, me to catch up. He's running, it doesn't even look like he's like it's just, he's moving really fast for yeah. no reason. Yeah. It's crazy. There's nobody on the field I think that can consistently outrun Jason Owe. I mean, I would say I can, but you know, right. we'll talk about it obviously. later. We'll talk about <laughs> no, it later. But legitimately, I mean, his, the type that type of speed. <laughs> You can't teach it. You can't coach you can't it. You can't. It you're gifted with that or you're not. Jason Owe is a physical freak. Another thing, like, that people don't realize, I mean, because how would they? His development off the field has been tremendous. In the film room, um, the way he answers questions, the questions that he asks Coach Spencer, you can tell that he's getting it. He's developing the right way. And if he does, he's going to be a problem for everybody. It's not only that. It's, like, being here, that puts us in, like, the 0.1% of, you know, athleticism there is in the United States or whatever it is. And Jason Owe is at, like, Point zero 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 one Seriously, percent. Throw up three fifteen with like hundred and ten percent of my strength, and I barely get it. And Jason looks like he's picking up a towel. No, Jason, when, <laughs> when Jason does his cleans, I seen him put three fifteen on the bar and not even jump when he cleans and just get it up just for a good three reps and then that's the set. So yeah, there's another reason why I made Jason away my pick for breakout defensive player of 2019 for Penn State. That story is up on Lions 24-7 right now. My pick, Mark's pick, Sean's pick. We got a pull-up. Sean and I are going to break that one down in greater detail on the next episode. We've also got a piece up on the site from Sean about where Penn State is prioritizing prospects in terms of position on the 2020 recruiting trail. 
What are some positions that still need to be addressed aggressively? And where are they maybe in better shape right now? Still seven months out of the early signing period. Uh, Sean does that one through 10. Great information. And we're going to detail that a little bit more on the next podcast as well. So some things to look forward to. We'll drop that one uh, probably shortly after Memorial Day weekend. And we hope you all have a good holiday weekend with you and yours. Make the most of it. Thanks again to the freshmen for giving us their time on Wednesday. Uh, Hope you all enjoyed hearing from some of them. Many will be huge factors on the field this fall. For now, on behalf of Sean, I'm Tyler Donahue. Stepping away, we'll talk to you next time on the Lions 24-7 podcast.